It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. And thank you for listening to the Adam Ritz Show. Today, we are live on campus in Atlanta at Emory University, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. That's wonderful. Thank you for the warm welcome. We uh, travel the country to talk to uh, young adults and students, college campuses, uh, to learn about their philanthropy and community service. Today we land at Emory, and we have our guest Dan. Hi, Dan. What's your last name? It's Alchediak. Alchediak. That's correct. Okay, how fast can you spell that? E-L-C-H-E-D-I-A-K. Okay, that's good. Anybody else? Can your friends back there spell his name? You don't even know. You didn't even know that was his last name, did you? You just call him Dan. Hey, Dano. Dano's on the radio. All right, so Dan Asensiak, uh, uh, welcome to the show. I didn't get that right, did I? Nah, not even close. All right. Well, Dan is here as a member of uh, what fraternity? I'm in Zeta Beta Tau. Zeta Beta Tau, and uh, you are proud to uh, work with what charity, what organization, how do you raise money and awareness for them? So uh, we actually started a new charity on campus called Bikeathon, and it's benefiting the Be Positive Foundation, which goes to help kids with cancer. And it's actually an IFC sponsor event, so pretty much every chapter sitting in this room is involved. So we thank them for that, and you know, it's a six-hour cycling marathon where every fundraising team has somebody spinning on a bike for six hours while everybody else cheering them on, having a great time. Got a ton of events beforehand to raise money, and has a ton of Greek involvement something we really need at this school. So That's fantastic, and I'm glad you gave props to everybody else in the room that's involved with it. It's a campus-wide initiative. It's safe. It's, uh, you said six-hour bike ride. I'm thinking, what, do you guys you know, ride down to Panama City Beach, or you're on stationary bikes? We're on stationary bikes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, uh, was there a meeting where you're like, you know what, let's, why don't we you know, take the bikes, uh, get a 10-speed, and go to Panama City Beach? And somebody was like, nope, insurance, stationary. Yeah, you know, just spinning these days is kind of like a big craze, so we decided to incorporate that. Typically, you have a lot of dance marathons on campus, yep. so, you know, we want to switch it up, make it a bike-thon. One place, we're going to be in the gym on campus, and it's going to be a great time. Well, you look like you're in shape. Does that mean you have to spend a lot of time on the bike as, as opposed to a brother in your house that might have had too many cheeseburgers? Uh, yeah, actually, my roommate, he's on, you know, he won't be somebody that's on the bike, but... <laughs> <laughs> is he here tonight? Uh, he's not. Okay, thank you. I was gonna, well, don't say his name. We don't want our national audience to know what a slob he is. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this is Dan, and we, we uh, congratulate you on your hard work. Before I let you go, are there any digital properties, Facebook page, or any Twitter accounts, Instagram, where our listening audience can follow this? Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at, at bike, Emory Bikethon. You can find us on Facebook at Emory Bikethon, Twitter at Emory Bikethon. And uh, if you want to donate to our page, you can Google Emory Bikethon Be Positive Foundation. Donate right to the cause. That's Dan, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for hosting the Adam Ridge Show. And best of luck here at Emory University. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. We're pleased to be in the Atlanta area on the campus of Emory University with um, an administrator. 
His name is Marlon Gibson. Hi, Marlon. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Yes, I'm well. And you? I'm fantastic. And Marlon, uh, you are in the student division or student affairs. You're the dean of students. What is your title? I'm sorry for butchering it. No, I, I someday hope to be a dean. Uh, I'm the assistant dean for campus life, director of sorority and fraternity life here at Emory University. Okay. And we love getting your perspective as a campus administrator on uh, some topics we cover on the show, including student leadership. Uh, charities, benefits, philanthropies, we know Greek life, the fraternities, sororities, they do a ton yes. on campus to help out uh, their communities and nationally with, with organizations like uh, the Muscular Dystrophy <laughs> Association, uh, Breast Cancer Awareness, stuff like that. What can you tell us uh, what your students do here at Emory to, uh, first of all, help out the Atlanta area, uh, and then what maybe sometimes uh, the kids do to help out larger national organizations? So one of the things is we're striving to take 15, 18 students to Jamaica to actually take it a little bit further wow. to help folks. Yeah, for spring break this year. Our Sigma Chi's do a great job of working with Ronald McDonald House, and so do our women of Alpha Delta Pi. Our ZBTs are planning a philanthropy for the entire Greek community for, um, it's called Bikeathon. And hopefully it will become an actual philanthropic event for the entire community, uh, something that we hope will become a tradition here at Emory. And that actually raises money for the B-plus Foundation. And so that's a really neat initiative that we have going on. And then, of course, we also support our local Boys and Girls Clubs as well. Uh, and then any other things that we can help out with in the Atlanta area. And so our community continues to evolve and continues to help support Atlanta. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is the, uh, that jumped out at me, the B-plus foundation? What's the B-plus? Because I always wanted to have a B-plus. I never got one. Uh, I was part of the C-plus foundation. Yes, but uh, yeah, what was the yes. B-plus foundation? Yeah, so the B-plus foundation actually raises money for children that um, – are fighting with cystic fibrosis. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. and so it's a really neat opportunity. And actually, uh, your own fraternity, SIGUP, introduced B-plus to our community last year. And so they brought a national representative from the B-plus Foundation to talk to our community. And one of the men learned more about it and has decided to make it a community philanthropic event. Okay, yeah. so a national organization, B-plus Foundation, to help cystic fibrosis, our listeners can look it up on online if you yeah. just Google the B Plus Foundation. Mm -hmm. um, Marlon, and donate, and donate <laughs> yeah. yes, help out online. They want your money. Yes. Uh, Marlon Gibson is our guest, uh, administrator here at Emory University. And the other thing you said that really piqued my interest is the spring break trip to Jamaica. Yeah. It's a service trip. It is. And I got it, you know, a lot of our listeners, we're all middle aged. We think about our spring break, and it was just, you know, Fort Lauderdale and a yeah. bunch of dummies uh, acting the fool, playing the fool on the beach with a, with a can in your hand. Now, kids today are very socially responsible, and there are actual trips during spring break planned, mission trips, yeah. to take that week. Mm -hmm. You still get some nice weather. Of course, it's, yeah. There's a beach probably nearby, yeah, but yeah. you're doing good works. What are you guys going to be doing in Jamaica? So actually, it's through Delta Upsilon. And so Kay Shindell is the director of the Global Initiatives. And Kay spends a lot of time in Jamaicans, built relationships uh, with families there. So it really depends. We could be rebuilding a school. We could be rebuilding houses. Uh, but Kay has built relationships to where when we get there, it's all laid out for us. Uh, even our buses, all of our transportation, our lodging, and even down to our meals. We have a chef that will have all the meals prepared for the students that week. And so they don't actually have to go in restaurants and worry about trying to fit 15 wow. people in the smaller restaurant. It's an amazing initiative that DU is doing. And so we're one of the few schools. I know that she also works with Iowa State University as well as UConn. Uh, and, of course, with DU and our Association of Fraternity and Sorority Advisors, uh, Kay actually has led some initiatives through them. And so this is our first year for it. 
we're excited and we're hoping that it'll really be a hit with our community. And that's through Delta Upsilon, but who is Kay? You kept uh, yeah. saying Kay. Kay Shindell. So Kay is the director of global initiatives and she works for Delta Upsilon. Okay. Uh, and so Kay is a friend and a colleague and she's also the national president of Tri Sigma. Okay. Yes. And it's the first time you've done this. Have you done anything like this? prior, close to this, some sort of mission trip during a vacation? Uh, I have, yes, yeah. uh, as a student. Yeah, okay. I went to the Bahamas. Yeah, I did a habitat trip. Well, that was rough. Yeah, it was really, really, <laughs> really rough. But somebody had to do it, right? <laughs> yes. And so, yeah. Um, but the thing there was when we got there, we had to learn where we were staying. We actually brought our sleeping bags. We slept on floors. Kay doesn't have that experience for us. We're not going to be staying at the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, but we will be staying uh, at similar to like a camping experience where you won't be on the floor, yeah. uh, but she'll be in like a cabin type experience. Uh, and so this is what we're going to do. And I know you probably, I'm asking you too many questions here because it's the first time you've done it with, with Delta Upsilon and uh, Jamaica. Mm -hmm. um, but do you know what the itinerary is as far as how many hours per day is there going to be work? versus yeah. uh, free time? Is the free time unsupervised? I mean, is this kind of a, sp a normal spring break, but just a couple of hours a day, you got to do something good too? No, you're actually working every day from eight until four. Woo! Yeah, it's pretty serious. And there's actually a curriculum, so you have conversations after dinner about what you did and what you're, what you're gaining from that experience and how you're leaving an impact on that community. That is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got to believe is, uh, you know, from my work with human resource departments, Yeah. Of course, this is a great cause that's going to help people, mm -hmm. but I got to believe that this looks great on a resume. Yes, absolutely. It does. And it, I think it's also a great conversation starter during a resume to talk about how you gave up your spring break to help somebody that's less fortunate yes. than you. Yes. That's not even in Atlanta or New York or wherever you may be from. Now, you're not... Um, you know, I don't want to give away your age because you look like a young man to me, but uh, oh, I, I can't imagine that Bahama trip that you did with your mission trip was just in the last couple of years. How long ago was that? Oh, I graduated in 02. Okay. So, uh, so a little bit. I, I would, I'm just guessing that back then it wasn't the norm to take a spring break and go do a mission trip. You, you had to have been one of the first ones. Is this, is this uh, socially conscious mm -hmm. America was, was coming to? As we know today, you were on the forefront of doing that. Did people think you were nuts, your friends from high school? What are you doing for spring break? Yeah, and so actually it's hilarious that you say that because my fraternity brothers went the same time. So we were on the same cruise ship, and my trip was $100. And they weren't on the mission trip? They no. just went as idiots? Yeah, they had the complete <laughs> spring break where they drank until they fell out. Yeah, and mine was really different. And so, I mean, it was hilarious to see them on the same ship, uh, and then, like, so mine was different. At night, we actually were able to go to the bars and areas like that, and so I would see them there. Uh, but it was a little different because ours was ran by campus ministry, so we weren't able to consume alcohol like they did. Okay. We weren't supposed to. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Yes. I gotcha. Yes. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're like, hey, meet us at the pool for beer pong, and, and you're like, no, I have work to do. Yes. And I, they probably felt a little guilty. Yeah, because they got to spend their entire day lounging around while I actually had to, like, work and rebuild homes. And it, it's something I'll never forget because the faces that you get to see of the families who are going to live in the house that you're helping to build mm -hmm. and how prideful they are in that experience is really phenomenal. Long story short, and the moral to this story is that years later, you're the assistant dean at Emory, yeah. and some of those guys on that cruise ship are working in a warehouse somewhere. Uh, 
well, some, but so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some are doing well, uh, and some are just still partying. Still partying. Yeah. Okay, they just never got it. They never grew up. Yeah. Well, we're uh, proud to have you on the show. He's Marlon Gibson, assistant dean at Emory University. Real quick before I let you go, this campus, it's like a movie set. I kind of there were parts of it when I was walking through. It made me feel like I was in Disney World. It's so picturesque, like a theme park, yeah. clean. Yeah. Like any of our listeners that go to Disney World, the first thing you think of is there's not even a piece of gum on the, on the yeah. concrete. Yeah. It's, it's like that here. It's beautiful. What can you tell our listeners on the other side of the country that are just learning about Emory in, in the Atlanta area uh, beyond what we just said about how picturesquely beautiful it is? What else can you tell us about Emory? It's a great place to learn. Uh, we were just rated number 21. Uh, through U.S. World and Reports, and so it's a great environment. We have amazing students, and we really support our students. We really care for them, uh, and it really is a great place to be. Uh, our alums are proud of Emory. We're proud to call Emory home, and so are our students. One of my best friends from junior high school, who I lost touch with, with when he moved, is an Emory, proud Emory alum, and now I know why. So yeah. it's beautiful. Thanks for hosting the show, and uh, we wish you the best of luck with everything. And we want to do a follow-up report with you uh, after next spring break to find out how that mission trip went to Jamaica. Will you join us then? My pleasure. Absolutely. Okay, Marlon, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank you, Adam. Thanks for coming, Emory. Hi, I'm Les Miles. I'm the head coach at LSU. Uh, you're listening to the Adam Ritz Show. It's an honor and a pleasure to welcome back to the Adam Ritz Show, Dan Pastorini. Hi, Dan. Adam, how are you doing? I'm telling you, I, I'm just uh, so happy to be sitting here next to you. We had you on the show from the Super Bowl, 46. Right. Met you as you were um, promoting your book. And uh, here it is. Let's, let's get the book out of the way right now. Taking Flack. It's uh, the Dan Pastorini story. A tell-all, an autobiography. Uh, tell us about the book. What was the idea and, and how, did, how did you get to this day right now with this book? Well, John uh, Lopez, who co-wrote the book with me, uh, approached me about eight months ago and uh, said he wanted to do the book. And I said, if we're going to do a book, I want to be totally honest about it. I want to be honest about everything that happened to me. And uh, I said, for starters, we're gonna, I'm going to tell you right now, I did inhale and I did have sex with those women. <laughs> so that was our starting point. And he did a lot of research and uh, asked a lot of right questions. And some questions were very easy to answer and some were fun to answer and some were very difficult to answer. But, you know, I stuck true to the, uh, the plan. And uh, I'm glad I did when the book did finally come out. I was a little nervous as to how it might be received, but uh, we've had nothing but uh, five-star reviews on Amazon.com so far, and everybody that's read the book has been very complimentary. I've had people come up to me uh, at book signings and shake my hand and thank me for the honesty that it's helped them overcome some of their demons and their addictions. Well, you mentioned uh, about being nervous when the book came out yeah. uh, because of the brutal honesty of the book. Exactly. I mean, there are some relationships that you've had in the past that you talk about with, yeah, brutal honesty. Uh, were bridges burned? Are there people that are mad at you because of this honesty? I mean, there are some great conversations in this book. That It's great to see the insight of what really happens behind closed doors in the National Football League. No, I don't think anybody's uh, going to be or mad at me or anything else. I didn't really throw anybody under the bus with the exception of Al Davis, and he's now since deceased. But uh, I wouldn't care if it, if it offended him at all anyway because uh, he – he ruined my life, you know, what can I say, but uh, it made my life pretty miserable. But, um, you know, it was uh, something that I overcame, and I'm still pr pressing forward now today, and I've uh, got great support around me, 
got a great business working, and I'm, I'm blessed, really. One of the things you said on your last appearance on the show was that, you know, being in the NFL and being a professional athlete isn't the cakewalk that people yeah. think it is. And, you know, I'm telling you, as a, I'm an average American. A lot of average Americans think, what are you complaining about? You read the book and you see the real issues that a real human being has to deal with. I mean, exactly. it's it's amazing the insight you bring to the, the, rea the reality and the humanity of what you went through in the NFL. Well, you know, it's it's I refer to it all the time as the duality of the celebrity versus the private man. and there's a fine line, you know, that a lot of people think because you're a celebrity, life is great, and it's it's really not. You have a lot of people taking shots at you. You got a lot of people that want to get close to you, that you know, just want to be part of the celebrity, and then you don't really know who your friends are. You don't know who the people are that really like you or care for you. Uh, I had family members, you know, rip me off of uh, money, you know, money over money issues. So it's uh, you know, it's it's kind of a, a, a trust issue, trust thing that uh, you don't know who to trust sometimes. You walk around blindly, and when you walk around blindly, you anesthetize yourself from the pain, emotional pain that you go through. And then, you know, on top of that, the painkillers and the pain that you got on the field, uh, you know, become addictive as well. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I sought, uh, you know, refuge in those, those, uh, those products, and I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. I think that, uh, you know, the the strength that I've, I've get, I have now and the strength that I've gotten from my, my girlfriend, her family, and my family and friends, uh, you know, is what counts. And, you know, it was uh, two years ago that uh, I had an issue with the drinking. I gave it up, and uh, it's, not, it's a non-issue. It's, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, my girlfriend gave me an ultimatum saying that, you know, the only thing that's going to come between us is your drinking. And I said, well, I need you in my life a lot more than I need drinking. So that I'm, I'm blessed about, and uh, so I'm, I'm, gr I'm grateful for that. I also had Bum Phillips, who's like a, a mentor and a friend to me and a father figure. He also, you know, was concerned about the drinking, and I told him, look, I've already promised her. I'm going to promise you, too. He said, he said well, I'm, I'm good with that. He said, I know you're good on your promises, so I'm not going to worry about it. Now, you mentioned the drinking and the abuse uh, near the end of your career in the NFL playing with Oakland. Do you think those days would have been any different as far as your career? Um, had you not drank as much during that time? I know it was at one hand fed the other. There were so yeah. many issues that led to the drinking. Uh, but if you were stone sober every day during the last few years there in Oakland, would, would things have changed? I don't know. That's a tough thing to say. I mean, you always, uh, you always have to assume that, hey, look, if I'd, have, if I'd have done that straight, you know, life would have been better anyway. So I know the life part of it would have been better. Whether or not things in Oakland would have worked out, I, I don't think so because Al Davis is just not uh, a reasonable and rational or was not a rational human being. And, and if you're on his good side, you know, he takes care of you. And I guess I got on his bad side by breaking my leg, which I never could understand. I tried my best to get back to be ready to play for the team. I was, and he wouldn't activate me, and he just kind of shunned me out and shut me out the whole time. So I don't think uh, back then it would have made a difference. I think it was a result back then of my feeling ostracized from the team that caused me to seek refuge in the bottle and pills and whatnot. And that's, you know, that's no excuse. But, uh, you know, I'm over that now, and I'm never going to get that depressed about anything again. <laughs> Well, hats off to you and your girlfriend you. for that ultimatum. Yeah, Congratulations you. on your sobriety. Easy guidance there. <laughs> We're speaking with Dan Pastorini, uh, a big, a really big uh, 
big day for me because uh, my first team in third grade 1978 was the Oilers <laughs> and I had you know the Oilers tracksuit the 1970s ski hat I still have that stuff in a box Do somewhere really? so it's kind of a big big deal for me I to be sitting here with you. like that I, get, I don't have any of the paraphernalia or any of the memorabilia or anything like that well, if those, if any of that time and that part of your career was rough, a rough road for you, you can take solace in the fact that there are 42-year-old men walking the planet with nothing but fond memories of Dan Pastorini and that baby blue. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Now, when the Houston Texans uh, formed and became a franchise after the Oilers moved to Tennessee and became the Titans, I, this has always perplexed me. Is there a movement or was there a movement to have them call the Oilers? Why did they become the Texans? I'm still mad and upset that they're not the Oilers. Yeah, that was that was a that was a shame. That was kind of a, a dealing with uh, with Bud Adams. I think that was his last dig at the city of Houston and the mayor of Houston at the time. And he was going to take that name with him no matter what. And he wouldn't sell it for any price. And I think it was kind of foolish and childish on his part. And that, the, the sad part about it, I, I think it's hurt some of the former players of making the, the, the Pro Bowl, like guys like Curly Kelp, who was a prototypical nose guard, uh, guys like Robert Brazil, who was the prototypical linebacker. The Hall of Fame. The, the, right, the Hall of Fame. That, that He should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if Lawrence Taylor's in the Hall of Fame, trust me, Robert Brazil should be in the Hall of Fame because Robert was the prototype of the of the Lawrence Taylors. And then you got Billy White Shoes Johnson, who was not only a great receiver, but one of the all-time great kick returners in the in the game. And I think that the fact that the Oilers are an anomaly now and nobody really knows who the Oilers are. We've been, you know, I was at Super Bowl this year and people just didn't even know who the Oilers were. So it's kind of sad, but uh, that's what you have to live with. Well, I understand the marketing value of calling them the Texans. That yeah. way the entire state can root for them. But uh, yeah. as an old, you know, an old 1970s uh, aficionado, I, I wish the Oilers were back. I, I know do you too. do, too. I do, too. I really do. Now, uh, two stamps that you have on the game still today, uh, the flapjack. You yeah. were the first NFL quarterback to wear the flapjack due to your broken ribs, um, which amazes me that 50 years went by before someone decided to put a pad there. You know, it really was. A lot of guys didn't really like to wear a lot of equipment back when I played, and they, they still don't today. There's, a lot of guys don't wear knee pads or hip pads or, or thigh pads. But, you know, it was just a very vulnerable position to get hit in the ribs. And, uh, you know, when, when I did break my ribs, Byron Donzies invented the flak jacket for me, and I was the first to wear it, which actually now is normal attire for all quarterbacks from the pros down to, uh, you know, high school kids. But... Um, you know, that, that and instant replay, for instance, that the reason we have instant replay today was a result of the Mike Renfro catch in the uh, Pittsburgh Steeler All-Star, or not All-Star, but uh, AFC Championship game in 1979. And, uh, you know, it was a great catch, but we didn't get awarded the points, and it cost us points, and those were difficult to get against the Steelers. But, you know, uh, that thing is kind of an infamy nowadays, and that's the reason you have instant replay in the game. And there's a great passage in your book, Taking Flack, of, uh, of a time when you were with the Oakland Raiders and an official from the NFL came in for oh, a yeah. rules seminar. Jim Tunney. And he was the actual official that called that a non-catch. Yeah, he was the one that made the decision. He was the referee. And uh, to, that, to this day, he still thinks it was not a non-catch. Every other referee I've <laughs> talked to in the game has seen it, and he said it was a catch. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. That's fantastic. Well, we'll wrap up with uh, Dan Pastorini by um, 
talking about your properties, your NFL, or I'm sorry, your digital properties, uh, the book Taking Flack, is it taking-flack.com? And our, our website is taking-flack.com. You can buy the book there. You can also get it on uh, at Barnes & Noble. You can get it at uh, Amazon.com and Author House. And your uh, your food connection, your food business, food your spi- you sell spices, you make spices. I make a spice. It's called Dan Pastorini's Texas Style Rub. And uh, we're, we're getting it in markets uh, mainly in the Houston area right now. We're coming out with a sausage, two sausages, a spicy and an original. And we're also coming out with a blue cheese dressing that should be sometime around the summer of 2012. And then I also, I can't, I can't let you go without mentioning this. Um, when you take a look at 1970s Americana, uh, and you look at Dan Pastorini, number seven, from the Houston Oilers. You've got to talk about some things that went on in your life. Uh, you dated Farrah Fawcett. I don't need any details, but yeah. you uh, you were a guest star on Fantasy Island. Yeah. I mean, do, what, do you ever flip channels and find that episode <laughs> and go, hey? No, it's really kind of embarrassing when I do see that. I've had a lot of friends that have looked up some of the movies that I did, and they, they YouTube them to me, and it's it's really kind of embarrassing when you see yourself. But you know what? It was fun. It was an opportunity that I never would have had had I not played for the Oilers or not played football. And, you know, I was not shy about trying things anew, and that was that was a fun experience for me. Were there ever um, producers from that 70s show or any when they're remaking the Brady Bunch movie or any kind of 70s Americana movie or film or TV production, anybody ever contact you to involve you with those? Because I think they're missing a huge opportunity. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I'm telling you, the very next uh, American film or television show about the 1970s has to feature Dan Pastorini. <laughs> you never know. You never know. We'll wait and see. <laughs> Houston has the Oilers, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, always in control. And when you say the Oilers, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers number one. Yes, we're the Houston Oilers. The Adam Ritz Show, a reality show for your radio. And the show continues in the state of South Carolina. I'm on the campus of Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina, with Stephanie Boyd. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Oh, great. How are you? I'm doing just fine. And you're um, the campus druggie. What is your title? <laughs> you have a specific title, title including drug and alcohol. I don't know. Are you the town drunk? Are you the Otis of Furman well, University? I, you know, some might think so, but no, I'm actually the coordinator of alcohol and drug education programs here okay. at Furman. Alcohol and drug education programs, Furman University. Big, big job. I mean, uh, on a college campus. A lot of college kids like to have a drink, uh, possibly a little bit more experimentation beyond the drink. Uh, tell us what goes on in your uh, office across your desk. Sure. Um, primarily, I work with um, student groups in an educational way, so we're more proactive on programming and risk management. And then anytime a student gets in trouble for an alcohol or drug violation, they're typically sent to me. Um, they could go through a short online course or they spend eight hours with me on a kind of a, a longer alcohol and drug education program. And then I do quite a bit of one-on-one counseling. What is a student's, I guess, reaction or mindset on average when they have to come to your office after that first time, first time they get in trouble? 
um, you know, there's there's often frustration because for every one that's getting in trouble, there are probably ten that are doing the same thing on the same night or day, and you know they haven't been caught. And so the frustration is, why me? Um, but I find after we spend some time together and we get to know each other, um, many of them find it was a helpful experience, and so some of that frustration, aggravation tends to go away. Is there a, I guess, um, this is going to be a, a too simple of a question, but I have a small brain. Is there a, just a simple, quick fact you can throw at a student that's sitting in your office with that frustration, why am I here, just some sort of simple phrase or sentence that can get them on your side right off the bat. Look, this is important. There's a lot of problems that come from alcohol and drugs, and this is why we're tackling this problem now. Um, well, the first thing I do is acknowledge that, yes, there are people that were doing the same thing that didn't get caught, and that doesn't make them any better or any more lucky than you. It just was the circumstance. But we're here, so let's make the best of it. And for me, good people make bad decisions every day, and so I don't look at anybody as a, as a person who made a bad decision. I'm sorry. I don't look at this as a bad person. I have that person come in and say, you know, good people make bad decisions. Our job is to make sure we don't make that same decision again. Stephanie Boyd is our guest at Furman University. I'm in South Carolina. It's a beautiful campus, Thank by the you. way. Uh, let's recruit. Let's get some students here. <laughs> how, how many students go to school here? We have about 2,500 students, give or take. Okay, back to your office of um, drug and alcohol awareness. It's Stephanie Boyd, the um, coordinator of the programs here, drug and alcohol awareness at Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, is there a success story you can tell me about? Maybe a student that came through one, two, three times in your office that finally got it. It and it clicked, they stayed out of trouble, and they went on to fame and fortune. Um, actually, um, I have a number of students that, when you when you ask that, that come to mind. Um, again, they made a bad decision on an occasion, um, lots of frustration. Um, they, it could have been a second or a third time even by the, by the time they actually got to me. And with some work, some one-on-one -on -one counseling, some education, you know, as I said, an eight-hour education course, um, I have students who you know, come by and see me all the time, not, not to tell me about things that are going on with alcohol and drugs, but how well they're doing classes, how successful they are in their sport, um, just how things have changed for them as a result of their choices. Um, particularly if it's a substance other than alcohol, for example marijuana, um, we find that after students have stopped using for a time, their brains tend to clear. They say, oh my gosh, my grades are getting better. I'm actually wanting to go to class. I remember things I'm supposed to do. So um, you know, we have a lot of success stories on this campus and a, and a lot of students who make very positive change. Can't thank you enough for your time. It's Stephanie Boyd at Furman University. Thank you so much, and go Paladins. Did right. I do that right, that's Paladins? Yeah, that's it. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.